Strong Tower, would you turn to the Old Testament book of Genesis, chapter 45? That's the book of Genesis, chapter 45. And I will begin reading at verse 25 from the New King James Version of the Scriptures. And the Bible reads as follows. Then they went up out of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to Jacob, their father. And they told him, saying, Joseph is still alive and he is governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart stood still because he did not believe them. But when they told him all the words which Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. Then Israel said, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. I call your attention to the closing of verse 27, where the Bible says, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. And so today, with the help of the Holy Spirit and with your prayers, I would like to preach a message entitled, Trust Me to Revive the Spirits of the Fathers. Trust God. He's saying, trust me to revive the spirits of the fathers. Let's pray. Father, we trust you in this hour. Lord, we desire to trust you every hour because you know what we need before we even know what we need. And we thank you, Lord, that you've already provided for us. I just pray that we would trust you as a good, good father to take care of us and to give us bread when we ask for it and not a stone, to, to give us fish when we ask for it and not a snake. We thank you, Lord, that you are our heavenly father. Yet this day, Lord, brings pain for some of us because we have earthly fathers who just might give us a stone, who just might give us a snake. But Lord, we look through those earthly dads. We, we look above them and we see you. But we also want to celebrate you, Lord, for the dads who loved us well, who raised us in the fear and admonition of you. So, Lord, as we look at the life of Jacob today, an ordinary man who relied on the power of an extraordinary God to make his crooked path straight, might we be encouraged today. And for every person who needs a revival in their soul, would you provide that, especially for the fathers today? Lord, would you please speak to me and through me to your people today? We give you glory, for we ask it all in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. As I prayed, Father's Day for some of us can be a difficult day. Just as Mother's Day can be a difficult day for some of us. Because on Father's Day, we may be reminded that our dad died, that he is deceased. And whether that happened years ago or recently, um, some of us have had trouble even getting over the fact that we have not had our earthly father in our lives uh, the way we would like for him to have been in our lives. And so some of us are struggling today because we've missed dad. Then others today are 
wrestling with the fact that dad divorced mom and the family was torn apart, whether that happened while you were younger or it happened when you were older. Uh, the sting of divorce is still very real. You're still having to deal with a new normal with dad being over here and mom being over here. And then some of us have to deal with the fact that Father's Day reminds us that our fathers departed us. Or our fathers have disappeared. And we have fathers who are incarcerated. Or we have fathers who are present, but they are still distant. They're in the house, but they are emotionally distant. They don't speak words of life. They don't embrace us with love. They think that if they just provide for us, that that should be enough. So our relationship with our earthly dads have been distant and they have been lacking of emotional support. But then some of us have deadbeat fathers. Fathers who we saw physically and verbally and mentally abuse our mothers. So you don't have much good to say about him on this day or any day. You, you think about how that dad, your dad, abused your siblings, maybe even you. This father may have abused drugs, alcohol, whatever. And this day is a sore um, and, and, and it's being ripped open again. And so Father's Day is not a good day for you, but I just want to bless you and commend you for at least tuning in and trusting your pastor, but above all, trusting your heavenly father on this day that he sees and knows your pain. He does not make light of your experiences. He has enough grace for you to walk through and work through the pain that you've experienced with your earthly father. But then there are others of us who have grown up with dads who were dynamite. Man, they were great dads. They are great dads. They're dads who are devoted, dads who are dependable, uh, uh, dads who are proper disciplinarians, that they've disciplined us in love. And so you may have that kind of dad, and today you can't wait to honor your father. Amen, somebody. And in our text today, it speaks of the story of a father a patriarch named Jacob, whose name is also Israel, who would have 12 sons who would end up being the 12 tribes of Israel. But one thing about Jacob is that although God used Jacob, Jacob was a dysfunctional father, which means that there's hope for all of us because all of us at some point, at some place have dysfunction. But I'm so glad that God does not call the qualified. Otherwise, he wouldn't call any of us. But he qualifies everyone that he calls. And where our dysfunction and our sin abounds, his grace superabounds. And grace superabounded over the life of Jacob. As I mentioned, Jacob had 12 sons. And I don't know if Jacob ever went to a parenting class but he made a serious mistake, and that is he treated one of his sons as his favorite. And as a result of treating Joseph as his favorite, that created animosity and resentment between the brothers. 
but, but Joseph didn't really help the situation much as you're refreshed about the story because Joseph was a tattletale. He told on his 10 older brothers about how they weren't working. He would report back to dad. And so the guys all the more hated him because of that. But not only that, dad gave Joseph a special tunic that had a lot of colors. It was psychedelic in its color. And, and, and the other brothers didn't get a tunic like that. So once again, that caused them to resent Joseph that much more. But to add injury to insult, Joseph would come and tell them about dreams that he had where his brothers would bow down to him. Oh boy, and, and that got on their last nerve to the point where they nursed such a grudge that it turned into murder. Where when they saw their brother coming to them one day, they said, here comes the dreamer. Let's kill him and see what will become of his dreams. So they outnumber their brother, they, they, they bully him, they capture him, they throw him in a well. And rather than killing him, one of them gets the bright idea to say, let's make some money off of our brother. So they sold him to some Ishmaelite uh, slave traders who were heading into Egypt. So they sold their brother. But they had to go back home and fabricate a lie to their father about their brother who was missing. And so the Bible says in Genesis chapter 37, verse 31. So they took Joseph's tunic, killed a goat, killed a kid of the goats and dipped the tunic in the blood. Then they sent the tunic of many colors and they brought it to their father and said, we have found this. Do you know whether it is your son's tunic or not? And he recognized it and said, it is my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. Without doubt, Joseph is torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put sackcloth on his waist and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters arose to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, for I shall go down into the grave to my son in mourning. Thus his father wept for him. So part of Jacob died when he heard the story that Joseph had died. Now, once again, mind you, this is a lie that had been perpetrated by the ten sons. And so when dad hears this news, his heart sinks. When he hears this news, he begins to lament, to weep, to mourn demonstrably. demonstrably. And they try to console him, but he refuses to be consoled. Has anyone ever been there before where the loss was so paramount? The loss was so great that nothing or no one could console you in that moment. Well, this would go on for the next 22 years. Over two decades, Jacob would deal with a dead spirit, a dead soul, a broken heart. 
And I know that there are fathers today who can identify with Jacob because we have dads in our congregation who have lost children to miscarriage. You have lost children to accidents, things that may not have been able to be prevented. And you are mourning. There's still a gaping hole in your heart over the passing of your son or your daughter. But then we have other men in our church. You're hurting as well. And you need a revival in your soul because your son or daughter may not have died physically, but they're showing signs of spiritual death. You may have, quote unquote, lost them to the world. And so there's this pain in your heart and your spirit because one of your children or two of your children have left you. They've left God. And so the pain is real. And on this Father's Day for you, you get a call from this child, from that child, but from the one that has been wayward, you will probably hear nothing from him or from her. You need reviving today in your spirit. You see, the Hebrew word revive simply means to live, to bring back from the dead, to bring back into consciousness. So to revive, it means to live, to restore to life or consciousness. This same Hebrew word is used in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 22, when the prophet revived a boy who had died. It's used in 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 21, when a man's body was thrown into a grave and when uh, the, the, the dead man hit the bones of the prophet in the grave, Elisha, the man came back to life. He was revived, the Bible says. So this word can speak of a literal resurrection, a reviving of being brought back from death into life. But it also speaks of a soulish revival because it's found in the book of Judges when Samson had nearly died fighting the Philistines. But God gave him uh, miraculous water from out of the hollow of, 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 of a skull of an animal. And he drank the water and he was revived. He did not die. He was near death. So this is a very um, colorful and graphic word, a powerful word that speaks of what God can do when he touches a dead place, when he touches a dead person, when God touches a spirit that is dead. Children, I, I want you to hear me well. On this part, you have great power to influence your fathers. How you live your life will either bring death to your dads or bring life to your fathers. I, I'm not trying to guilt trip you today. I'm just trying to let you know what the Bible talks about, because as fathers have influence over the children, Children have influence over the fathers. And on this Father's Day, I don't think your dad needs another tie. I don't think he needs another pair of socks, another wallet, more cologne. I think he needs most children who love God and children who love him. 
That will bring revival in his soul like nothing else. So the best way, as we're going to see today, for you to bless your dad is to love him well, to be present in his life, to honor him, as the Bible says that children are to do, to honor their parents. And as you do that, not only will it give life to your dad, something reciprocal happens because it will go well with you and you will live long and well on the earth. So, man, nothing beats kindness. Nothing beats being a blessing. All right, so let's go, let's go. Let, let's look at three things from this text that helped revive Jacob's spirit. And I'm sure it will revive the spirits of anyone listening right now, especially our fathers. So point number one, when fathers hear good news about their children, their spirits revive. When fathers hear good news about their children, their spirits revive. As I mentioned, it has been 22 years since Jacob had seen Joseph. So when we come to um, the encouraging part of the story, we got to remember what he carried for 22 years where he refused to be consoled. He needed his soul revived because a part of his soul had died. He sent his son out one day only to have his clothing brought back to him the same day, drenched in blood. And he believed a narrative, a false narrative, a lie, but he believed his son had died. And no parent wants to ever receive that kind of news. But not only that, it was doubly traumatic for Jacob because there was no body brought to him. Therefore, he could not have a burial for his son. In other words, he would not have closure over the death of Joseph. And so he's got to mourn and grieve, not having looked at his son's body, not having buried his son's body, because funerals are able to bring closure for us. We're able to lay our eyes one last time on our beloved family member. We're able to plant them in the earth. We're able to visit their grave site. So it's healthy for us to be able to view the body, plant the body, mourn well. But Jacob, he had no such experience as it pertained to Joseph's demise. So he lived with a dead, broken spirit, a broken heart. But, 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 in the midst of a famine, God was going to revive this man's soul. In the midst of a famine, God was going to redeem this family. And what those brothers had meant for evil, God is working for good. In the midst of a pandemic, God is going to do the miraculous. So let me just stop and pause right now. I don't know what you're going through. We, we've been in this pandemic first with COVID-19, now we're in a pandemic of racism. It's always been here in America, but it is heightened all the more. And for many of us as African-Americans, the wound is ripped apart every single day when we see another murder, another killing at the hands of the police. And so we've been living in the midst of this pandemic. Some of us have lost jobs. We don't know what's going on, whether we're coming or going. 
But I just want to say that in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of a drought, as we see here in this story, God is still at work. He's still feeding and leading his people. He's still doing the miraculous. Don't give up on God because he won't give up on you. He hasn't given up on you. He's not limited by circumstances. He's the God above circumstances and miracles are workings of God that defy circumstances. So I speak life to you today. I speak faith to you today. Hang in there. Trust God. Because in the midst of this storm, this pandemic, God brought life into Jacob's life. And he can bring life into your life as well. And so God is going to do this miracle. Jacob's sons went to Egypt for food. Because there was no more food in Canaan. They, they went to Egypt for food and they discovered that Joseph, the brother that they sold 22 years ago, was still alive. And not only was he alive, he was second in command to Pharaoh in all the land of Egypt. So the sons brought Jacob the news that Joseph was alive. And that was the scripture that we read earlier where they said, Dad. Joseph is still alive. Now, they never confessed their part in the story, but they told their dad that Jacob was alive. And the Bible says that Jacob's heart stood still in verse 26. And in verse 27, once he chose to believe the news, his spirit revived. His spirit revived. Good news about his son's life brought revival into his spirit. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 25 says, as cold water to a weary soul, so is good news from a far country. Isn't that what good news will do for us? That when we get that letter in the mail, uh, when, when someone emails us and it's something good, we get that phone call, we get that text message, and it's good news, especially when it's from our children as parents. Man, it just brings life into your soul. Because only God knows the reunions that will take place to revive your life. Because a reunion is happening in this story. This man hadn't seen his son for 22 years. This man hasn't seen his father for 22 years. So there's going to be a wonderful reunion, reconciliation, renewal. And if God did that for them, he can certainly do it for you and for me. Sons and daughters, no matter how old you are, you have power to bring life to your fathers by bringing good news into their lives. So when we hear good things about our children, as parents, especially as dads, man, it just feeds us life. It, it revives us. However, Proverbs 17, 25 says, a foolish son is a grief to his father. So there are many fathers whose hearts are broken, whose spirits need to be revived because sons and daughters keep breaking our hearts. But the good news is that the heart that is broken is also a heart that can be mended. A spirit that is struggling is a spirit that can be made alive. So children, you can add to your father's life 
when he hears the good news that you're graduating from high school, from college, from grad school. Tell him the good news. Tell him the good news when you get that job offer, when you get that promotion. Tell him when you propose or you get proposed to that you're about to get married. Tell him about that child that's coming. The good news will bless your dad. Oh, my. Secondly, when fathers see their children are alive and doing well, their spirits revive. So the first point is when we hear good news. But the second point is when we see the good news, when we see for ourselves that our children are alive and doing well, that revives us. Genesis chapter 46 Beginning at verse 27, it tells the story of when Jacob comes into Egypt and he's 130 years old to lay eyes on his son for the first time. Genesis chapter 46, beginning at verse 27. And the sons of Joseph who were born to him in Egypt were two persons. All the persons of the house of Jacob who went to Egypt were 70 then he sent Judah before him to Joseph to point out before him the way to Goshen. And they came to the land of Goshen. So Joseph made ready his chariot and went up to Goshen to meet his father Israel. And he presented himself to him and fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. And Israel said to Joseph, now let me die since I have seen your face. Because you are still alive. Look at that reunion right there. So when the Bible says that a Hebrew person has fallen on the neck of someone, that, that's not saying that he broke his neck. That means he's hugging him around his neck and he's not letting go. He's crying. So it speaks of an embrace that he fell on his neck. He's hugging his father. And he's erupting with emotion because he hasn't seen his father in 22 years. And Jacob hasn't seen Joseph. And so what a moment our God is able to restore. So don't you give up. You may be in week one, month one, year one, year two. God is still able to turn that thing around and bring life from that which was dead. He can revive not only the situation, but yes, he can revive the soul. And this reminds me of the story in Luke chapter 15 that Jesus tells of the prodigal son who had asked for his inheritance and left his father's estate and went out into the world and, and, and spent all of his money on riotous living. And the Bible says that while he was in a pig's pen, eating the things that the pigs eat, the thought dawned on him that I need to go back home. In other words, he hit rock bottom and he looked up and he thought about his dad who loved him unconditionally. And so he got up and he went back home and he said to his father that I have sinned. But the beautiful thing about the story is that the father had been looking for his son. He was looking for him to return, no doubt praying for him to return. And when he saw his son in the distance, the father ran towards his son, embraced his son. And the Bible says in Luke 15, 24, 
For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to make merry. Luke 15, 32, the father says to the brother who had an attitude, he says, it was right that we should make merry and be glad. For your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. So they're celebrating the fact that the son who was once dead spiritually is now alive again spiritually. So to any prodigal son or daughter listening to me right now, it's been long enough. For those who have run away from parents, who have broken relationships with parents, especially your fathers, for those of you who have attitudes with your fathers and you're not on speaking terms with your fathers and you've left them, you, you oppose them, you despise them. You may have even abused resources that your fathers have given to you. I'm here to say to you today, in the name of Jesus, enough is enough. You see, you can pick your sin, but you can't pick the consequences. God is not pleased with how you are viewing and treating your earthly father. God wants you to come back home. God wants your heart to be softened towards your fathers. And for those of you who are in a home right now, your teenagers listening to me, and you've been disrespectful to your fathers, it's time for you to stop that behavior right now. You need to come back home, even though you're in the home, and you need to honor your father because it pleases the Lord. So if you need to come back, today is the day on Father's Day for this to happen. The best Father's Day gift you can give your father right now is a phone call. It is an apology. It's to show back up at the house. In the book, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, written by Jim Cimbala, who is the pastor of Brooklyn Tabernacle Church in Brooklyn, New York. The book talks about the, how his church immerses itself in prayer. And that God moves amongst a praying group of people. Um, the Bible says that God's house is to be called a house of prayer, not a house of preaching. And Jim Cimbala in this book makes note of the fact that when the Lord birthed the church, it was birthed because they were in an upper room praying. And that led to preaching on the streets. But it was prayer that brought the power of the Holy Spirit upon, upon that congregation in Jerusalem. And for power, the power of God to fall on our churches, on our families and in our lives, we must be people committed to prayer. Well, Jim Simula tells the story of how his daughter Chrissy, a preacher's kid, a believer in Christ, had backslidden and left the home and, and got into a life of sin and drug abuse in New York City. And she was gone for over two and a half years. 
But during that time, they prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. And on one particular prayer meeting on a Tuesday night, Pastor Jim had got up to preach and just to do his thing. And, and one of the members said, pardon me, Pastor Jim, I, I really feel in my spirit that we're to interrupt this normal Bible study to pray once again for your daughter, Chrissy. Pastor Simbola submitted to the leadership and to this person in the church and they began to pray for his daughter. But he said this time the prayer was a lot different. And he says, if you've ever been in a labor room where women are giving birth and there's moans and there are groans, he said, that's what was going on. They were moaning and groaning out loud. Over a thousand people in this study praying like that before the throne of God. Fervent prayer in addition to everything that they have been praying for the past two and a half years. So after that prayer meeting, he felt a peace come upon him and he said, it's done. It is over. God is going to restore my daughter. I know without a shadow of a doubt. That was Tuesday. Then on Thursday, he was shaving like he would do on any other day. His wife comes into the bathroom and says, Jim, hurry. Chrissy's home. Chrissy's home. So he wipes the lather off his face, runs downstairs to find his daughter in the kitchen on her knees, crying uncontrollably, saying to her father, Daddy, I'm sorry. Daddy, I'm sorry. Daddy, I'm sorry. And he embraced his daughter and he welcomed her back home. And that situation was over. She went on to get married to a preacher and she's a preacher's wife in the Midwest. And so I just want to tell fathers whose children are estranged, whether they're in the house or they're out of the house, that God is able. And I pray that there would be a reunion for you so that there might be a revival in your soul. But in the meantime, don't put so much stock on your child that you make your child into an idol. Love that child, but don't put that child before the Lord. You put the Lord first because he is first and he deserves to be first. And he can minister to the pain in your heart about your child. And prayerfully, prayerfully in due season, there will be a reunion. There will be a reconciliation. Thirdly and finally, when fathers see their grandchildren, their spirits revive. Look at Genesis chapter 48, verse 10. So Jacob has seen Joseph, but Joseph also has children that Jacob has never seen. So beginning at verse 10, the Bible says, Now the eyes of Israel were dim with age so that he could not see. Then Joseph brought them near him and he kissed them and embraced them. And Israel said to Joseph, I had not thought to see your face, but in fact, God has also shown me your offspring. Uh, you, look, you look at that. He got to see Ephraim and Manasseh. Didn't even know he had those grandchildren. And that was another thing that brought revival to this old man's spirit. What is it about grandkids that makes grandparents goofy? 
What is it about grandkids that just makes grandparents act as if they never had any structure in their home when they raised us? Well, what is it when they see the grandkids? Oh, boy. I don't know. I'm not a grandfather yet, but I believe that when I become one, I'm going to be just as goofy as all the other grandparents in Strong Tower Bible Church. But I got to tell you a story uh, when my son Dante was born. And Dante would be the first grandchild of Alan and Doris McFarland. Now, my parents had many grandchildren, so they were happy about Dante, but not like Alan and Doris McFarland. So much so that when Darina had given birth to Dante and had brought him home, Pastor Mac, Alan McFarland, drove 13 hours straight from Portsmouth, Virginia, all the way to Franklin, Tennessee, just so he could see his first grandson. And since he drove through the night, there was a knock on the door. We didn't know who that was. We go downstairs and it's her dad. And this is what he did. He hugged Arena, he hugs me, and he goes to see Dante. He takes a look at Dante. He sees his first grandson for the first time. He looks at him and then he goes into the other room and goes to sleep. He just had to look at his grandson. Drove all night to see him. What is it about grandkids? Oh, let me tell you something, grandkids. You can bring life to your papa just by showing up and showing some love. You have power over your grandfather. Yes, you do. Use it to bless his life. Just don't use it to get toys and money and things like that. Use it to bless him, all right? So, so maybe you need to call your grandfather today and just tell him, Papa, Granddad, I love you. That goes a long way with grandfathers. So we saw today that the man who thought he would die at the age of 130 had a miracle occur in his life in the midst of a pandemic. He got to see his son that he had not seen in 22 years, a son that he thought was killed and mangled by beasts. He got to lay eyes on him. He got to, to hold him and hug him and weep with him and even see his grandchildren. So God revived him. And not only that, Jacob was so revived at the age of 130 that he goes on to live an additional 17 years. He passes away, according to the Bible, at the age of 147. So the man who thought he was going to die over and over again, day after day, month after month, year after year, who couldn't be consoled, in a moment, God revived his soul, restored the relationship, and gave him such strength that he lived 17 more years. And not only that, he had enough revival in his soul to bless Pharaoh, which means he prayed over Pharaoh, that Pharaoh would be blessed. Not only that, he prayed over his children and his grandchildren that they would be blessed. Because when your soul is revived, you want to be a blessing to other people. Oh, this Father's Day, might the souls of our fathers be revived by God. Because we hear good things about our children. We see our children. And we also get to see our grandchildren. I hope this word encouraged you today. I believe the onus is on the children today.
Go and bless your dads and your granddads. Tell them how much you love them and how much they mean to you. And I'm telling you, it'll do something to them. <laughs> Let me pray. Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for the scriptures. May we apply it today. And if we don't have a dad, may we find a father figure to bless. Might we find that older man who could use a word of encouragement, some good news from us to help bless and revive their spirits. For we pray it all in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.